Hello from Portugal, and welcome to the first episode of Global Impact, where every show will help you to connect the dots to world events. I'm Michael Bossercue. My first episode will focus on something, well, pretty much top of mind to everyone in the world right now, the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. But in future shows, I'll be treating you to exclusive conversations with special guests, powerful people, not so powerful, but really people who are going to give you special insight on everything from conflicts happening in the world to climate change, trade wars, all the important topics that come up uh, throughout the year. My goal at the end of the day is to provide you with context, make you more informed, and from time to time, as CNN says, to provoke and persuade. And speaking of CNN opinion, I'll also be amplifying on some of the topics that I write for that site. And as most of you know, I'm working on my first nonfiction book on smartphone and social media addiction. So in some episodes, I'll include some fresh findings and advice with the aim of helping you outsmart your smartphone. And finally, after listening to this podcast, if you feel so inclined, please click on the donate button and contribute to this project. I will never make this podcast by subscription fee, but like public radio, listener support helps cover production costs and the other logistics of getting me in front of awesome guests for you to listen to. So thanks in advance. Coronavirus. So um, the irony is pretty hard to ignore. Uh, as China, of course, the source of uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus slowly roars back to life after imposing the largest national response to a health crisis in human history, the world economy is screeching to a halt. And this comes as the virus circulates on all of the continents except Antarctica, and we are approaching about 100,000 cases worldwide. The prospects for the weeks and months ahead for the global economy is trending pretty badly. Um, one third of the member countries of the International Monetary Fund are now reporting coronavirus cases. And um, the managing director uh, said recently that the virus is spreading more undetected than initially thought. And um, in a very grave words said this, the world has moved into the territory of more dire scenarios. So obviously, if you're in panic, it's are spreading. Um, supply chains are being restricted. Consumers have stopped buying. Um, they're traveling less. And credit is becoming more difficult to come by, especially if you're a business owner. And what all that means when you put it together is economic growth uh, this year will very, very likely dip below that of last year. Um, meanwhile, going back to China, restarts of factories there are uh, going at a pretty good pace, set to be at about 60% uh, now and up to 90% in a few days' time. And, um, you know, I'm also saying in a perhaps a demonstration of might, uh, China uh, is now um, placing restrictions on uh, uh, foreign countries. Um, so it may be difficult if you come from uh, South Korea, Japan, or Italy to now enter China. Again, I don't know if this is a demonstration of might or maybe a gesture of payback for draconian measures that some foreign countries placed on Chinese nationals earlier on in the outbreak. Um, and, um, you know, I remember also that in earlier this year, when countries began closing their borders to travelers from China, 
uh, Beijing's foreign ministry said, well, some countries, the U.S. in particular, have acted inappropriately. Now, the World Health Organization seems to agree with that type of uh, uh, sentiment that member states uh, have been acting inappropriately or disproportionately by, for example, erecting trade and travel restrictions um, against its own guidelines. And uh, also, um, the WHO has correctly said, you know, no matter what happens, we can't shut the world down. But actually, the reverse is happening. Many events, uh, trade events, conferences, uh, uh, festivals are being canceled. Um, and even the 2020 uh, Tokyo Olympics may be postponed. So a lot happening at once and a lot to get through. But my fear is that with epidemics occurring more frequently, uh, there have been at least three uh, since 2003. Uh, WHO's moral authority is eroding to the point where we lose that kind of ability to mount a coordinated global response, public health response to epidemics and pandemics. The other problem we have as a planet is rather than proactively, proactively investing in public health systems where you have, for example, good testing and surveillance capabilities, Many countries um, seem to prefer to kind of wing it and focus more on containment and mitigation measures. So the world is also facing another challenge. Um, WHO has mentioned many times that of the 40 or so countries they regard as having fragile health systems, that um, they're now starting to report cases. Uh, countries like Nigeria, Senegal, Ukraine, and Algeria um, these are countries that are not well prepared for outbreaks and should more cases arrive there and should spread widen, um, these countries will have a tough time handling it. I liked uh, what New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said earlier this week. He described coronavirus as influenza on steroids. But, you know, I think everything that is coming in in the past few days, it's going to be much more than that. It could actually mark the start of a new chapter in modern history where global solidarity is significantly tested. For example, a few weeks ago, it would have been hard to imagine where I sit that um, European member states, uh, some of them at least, would call for suspension of that um, Schengen open border area. It's really one of the cornerstones of the European uh, Union bloc. But now you have far-right parties in uh, Germany, Spain, and France all calling for invoking a clause in the EU law which allows for the temporary closure of national frontiers and emergencies. And um, the other thing to think about, a U.S. airline executive said um, earlier this week that the fear, the panic caused by the outbreak could cause in the long term more harm than the virus itself. But, you know, in many countries, people's trust in government is really, really low. Um, and especially now when you have this confusion in the United States on, um, you know, the CDC saying one thing, President Trump saying the other, and even saying at one point that all of this is a hoax, that, um, you know, there's going to be um, a lot of confusion and panic. And that all tells me we're not going to have a very quick or smooth ending to this global public health crisis. So to kind of wrap up on coronavirus, I have a strong sense that this crisis, whether you measure it by the number of infections, the number of fatalities, or the degree of economic dislocation inflicted by it, will get a lot worse before it gets better. So be prepared.
Um, and if you're um, wondering why I'm saying that, well, look at the difficulty WHO is having in raising uh, the tens of millions of dollars for its emergency response. It's not doing very well. So I'll end by saying what is needed most right now is political leadership on steroids, global solidarity, that elected uh, leaders have to work together to treat this virus for what it is, a grave threat not only to public health, but also to economic well-being. And until that happens, I'm afraid to say, expect more cases, more panic, and more economic dislocation. Continuing on with um, the coronavirus outbreak, well, um, this week, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, also known as the IMF, boasted about how the organization is reducing its carbon footprint or dealing, of course, with the coronavirus by adapting the annual IMF uh, World Bank Spring Meetings to a virtual format. Um, other large organizations, as you might expect, including WHO, are doing likewise. And, um, you know, the thing here is the IMF World Bank annual spring meeting usually attract about 10,000 people, 10,000 people. So this decision will result in a massive, massive amount of cancellations of airline seats, uh, hotel rooms, uh, restaurant reservations, you name it. But, you know, it got me thinking that with more and more organizations and companies widely implementing these kind of risk reduction schemes and dealing with travel restrictions by implementing teleconferencing and virtual meetings. My feeling is that after this whole crisis is over, that this trend will actually increase substantially in the aftermath. And there are a lot of shareholders that are telling companies that they've invested in, look, we need a greener face for the company we've invested in. It makes good business sense. And reduce your carbon footprint by cutting down on wasteful travel and meetings. The other thing that is happening, um, one of my uh, friends, Hedley Hamilton in London, reminded me of is the emergence of cheap and high quality collaboration platforms such as Zoom and Slack. So they're kind of fueling this trend. But you got to wonder what will the knock-on impact be on the airline industry, the hospitality industry, and more importantly, what are we losing by trading in face-to-face -face interactions for virtual communication? Uh, the other thing you have to wonder about is are lobbying organizations or civil society groups going to be frozen out of large multinational meetings if all of these meetings go virtual? So in future episodes, I'm going to interview people, but I'm also going to argue that while large organizations need to bring their people together from time to time, the virus outbreak actually could have the unintended consequence of bringing more scrutiny to decisions regarding travel and large meetings. And I guess at the end of the day, this will be healthier for the planet. So it could change the way business is conducted across multiple time zones. I mean, think about it. Um, if more and more companies are doing this and big organizations like IMF, World Bank, and um, uh, WHO and UN, uh, it could become kind of a habit. And um, it could have 
interesting, positive, even negative consequences. It's not something we really have a grasp on, but uh, something definitely, definitely to keep an eye on. There are a few people I'd like to thank for this program, this honor of doing this podcast. Michael Popov, Linda Duque, uh, Sofia Klamenko, Natalia Ojaskova, um, Hedley Hamilton in London. It's been a real pleasure doing this, and um, I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And I thank you for your indulgence to listen for this long. Now, uh, we'd, I'd love to continue doing this. And um, if you have it uh, in your heart and in your financial possibility, please click on that donate button and contribute to help support future podcasts. I'm going to be traveling all over the place, uh, tracking down really hard to get people just so that I can bring them to you and give you exclusive insight. Um, it's something I have a big passion about. I'd love to do. And um, there's no one else I'd rather do it than is for you. So there you go. Have a fantastic uh, few days ahead. Keep safe. Um, take all precautions you need. But don't stop um, living your dreams and living your passions. I'm Michael Basakiu. Bye-bye.
Thank you.